as we continue our Advent celebration. We're into the fourth Sunday, and we will be lighting the candle of peace today. So we've gone through uh, hope and love and what's the, the pink candle? Well, joy, yes, okay. And so last week I read scripture from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, and I, it's actually going to be the same scripture that I read again today uh, in reference to peace. And it deals with the shepherds and the, and the angels speaking to them. So this is Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And he will be and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, with, uh, <clears throat> was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So, this morning I will make the rounds here. I love these new lighters. <laughs> Get a child up here and help me. (laughs) And then finally, the candle for peace. And there is the phrase here, peace on earth in whom God is well pleased. How is God well pleased? How do we please God? He's talking about peace on earth for the men and meaning the people who have are in God well pleased. How do you, how do you reach that status? Does anybody know? Do the kids any of the kids want to volunteer a thought? How are you at peace with God? What might you need to do? Okay, to believe in Him through Jesus Christ. To believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's how you are at peace with God. And that's how it stems so that in God, the people of God is well pleased are those whom are at peace with God. So, uh, anyway, it's, uh, now we can dismiss the children. The only announcement I, I have that uh, today, well, I guess I have two. One is the uh, ex- the cookie Christmas sweet swap 
I, that's a tongue tire for me. But anyway, uh, that's after right after the service, uh, and so if you are here uh, for that, uh, you will have the goodies in the back. We'll have time for that, and then also the daily bread in large print are here, and this goes January, February, March. So we'll be just entering into that uh, this next week, and and so uh, if. You know someone that needs a large print one, or if you need a large print one, we won't watch and see who takes it. Uh, <laughs> uh, feel free to, to take advantage of these. In our area of prayer this morning, uh, I just uh, want to share with you that uh, Diane Van went home to be with the Lord on Friday afternoon. And uh, I thank you for all your prayers for her and her brother Dan and sister-in-law Karen and extended family need your prayers. And so to continue to pray for them as they go through this time. And uh, we will be having a memorial service. The time for that is yet to be announced, but uh, we will be having a special service for Diane uh, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we'll be working out those details with the family. So I thought about this, and I know Kay and I talked about this too. I don't know how many of you know that Diane had an absolute passion for Christmas. She has in a story, she has to have a storage shed, and it's full of her Christmas stuff. You know, it's it's uh, and and she just loves the Christmas season, and uh, I have to say, I'm excited for her. She spends this Christmas with Christ, face to face. What a celebration! So, uh, I rejoice for Diane, and uh, and uh, just uh, almost a little bit envious, maybe. Also, uh, we just uh, uh, want to pray that as we approach Christmas, that we would have a Christ-centered Christmas as we gather with our families and our friends. And, uh, you know, those traveling, we want to pray for those that will be traveling. The Braggs are going to be traveling starting tomorrow uh, and going down south to their kids and grandkids. So, uh, be praying for them and anybody else that you know that's traveling. And uh, just uh, pray for, and a special prayer for Jim in the sense of praying for his health as well as their, their safety. Because uh, he's still very vulnerable to the COVID and uh, uh, we want to ask God to protect him. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can have the confidence that Diane's faith in you has placed her in your care face-to-face. We rejoice in that confidence. You told us we can have that confidence in you, and we, we claim it. We also pray, Lord, for her brother Dan, her sister-in-law Karen. Ask that you would be with them as the many things that they have now to deal with and take care of on her behalf. And for the extended family. And we ask that you would be with them, bless them, and 
just meet their needs in every way, Lord. And Father, we pray for the Braggs as they travel. We ask that you would be with them, keep them safe, keep them healthy. And for all of those that are traveling, we bring their safety and, and, and travels before you. We ask, Lord, that all of us who know Christ would have a Christ-centered Christmas as we gather together with our families and our friends. And we ask your, your blessing on our, our times together. And we ask, Lord, for your witness and your testimony to go out uh, to the world this time of the year. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together, to worship together. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we open your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, thank you to the Petersons and, and, and Kathy for uh, uh, the bells this morning. That was wonderful. Uh, oh, there she is. <laughs> I look, that's not what you normally said. <laughs> so that uh, was very, very special. And they've got one more yet for us, so we get another shot at that too. This morning, we're going to go through the book of Jude. And I know that's not typically considered a, a place for Christmas message, but believe it or not, there's one in there. And... Uh, as we read through the Bible, uh, we'll be finishing up uh, next week with uh, just a, a quick look at the book of Revelation. But today we're looking at Jude. Very short book. We've had a few of those as we got towards the end here. And as you open your, your Bibles to the book of Jude, I would ask that uh, you listen again uh, to this idea of, of that I read from the Gospel of Luke again, uh, what the angels were saying to the shepherds. Uh, as soon as I get back to it, I pulled my thing on. There we go. The, remember, the, the words were, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The word there that I want to focus on is peace, obviously for today, as we went through the Advent candle as well, using that scripture. Uh, and it takes us back, actually, to the prophecy uh, shared in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, it's uh, a prophecy of, for, about Jesus, and it's a familiar one at Christmas, chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What a powerful picture in the names of, of Jesus. And by the way, Isaiah is, is declaring that this Prince of Peace is Almighty God, meaning he's equal with God, was what he was saying. And so we could, that takes us back to reminding us what John says in John chapter 1. You know, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and then the Word became flesh. And so keep that in your mind as well. Uh, a child is born, a son is given, 
It says also later on, the government shall be on his shoulders, uh, meaning he will rule. And we're not talking about government like government of the United States. We're talking about the point in time when, when Christ rules his kingdom. And it will rule and it will last forever. But I, I look at these names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then again, this idea of Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who is oversees man's peace, period. He's responsible. You realize that man will never have peace without acknowledging the Prince of Peace. There is no peace without doing that. People might, you know, people think, oh, well, what about, what, what, you know, wars and, you know, those types of things, and there's peace when there's no war, that type of thing. That's not the kind of peace that's being talked about here. We're talking about being at peace with God, each and every one of us. This peace from God is through Christ, and it was used, interestingly enough, in greetings to, in a, in a form of a greeting uh, to, between people within the church. And we even see this in the epistles that Paul wrote. Uh, almost every one of them deals with, uh, you know, grace and peace to you in some form in, in, in the epistles that he wrote. And here in Jude, we also have this same picture. Let me share it with you. In Jude chapter, well, chapter 1, there's only one chapter. Uh, Jude 1, it says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. So he's using this same idea of mercy and you know, this idea of peace and love. It's not exactly the way Paul does it, but he gets that word peace in there. How important is this? It's everything to us. It's everything to us to be at peace with God. And he asks, and he asks that it be multiplied. And I, I had to think about that for a moment because I do understand that once I accept Jesus Christ, and, and what he's done and what he did on the cross was once and for all. It was a done deal. Once it was accomplished, it was finished. Nothing to add to it ever again. And so it's, it's completely finished. And once I accept Jesus Christ, it's mine. I have it. I'm, I'm, I've got eternal life. Okay? And so multiplied. How do I get more eternal life? Well, you don't get more eternal life. But you do, as you grow in Christ, achieve or uh, obtain... More peace, more confidence in what God is, who God is, what He has done, what He is doing, and what He has yet to do. And so this idea of having it multiplied, having His mercy multiplied, His love multiplied, is the idea of that we are becoming more mature day by day, week by week, month, month, year, year, uh, in Christ, resulting in this picture of it's growing in us. And so it's a constant thing. We will be doing this for the rest of our lives until Christ returns or until we go home to be with Him. 
Now, if you look at the, at the book of Jude, I've already read the, the introduction part to you, but in verses, I'm not going to read through all of this, but in verses 3 and 4, uh, it, it's clear that, that uh, as you read through that, you'll see that there's a concern about false teachers in the church. In fact, most of the uh, people who write about the, the letter uh, that Jude has written, he, they write and say it's, uh, the, the emphasis is to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. To, to strive to defend the faith. To contend for it. And so, verses 3 through 4 tell us that there's false teachers. There are people who are going to come to, uh, and, and come to a point where they're going to declare a different Christ than the one the gospel declares. They're going to declare it in such a way that it, we could go back to what Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 1. If anybody preaches another gospel, another Christ than the one I've preached to you, be it known that it's anathema. It means it's condemned, it's damned, it's cursed. There is only one gospel message. Here it is. In here. Anybody who, who distorts it, destroys it, uh, corrupts it in any way are not saved. They're false teachers. And Jude makes it clear that false teachers are going to be judged. And he reflects back on some of the Old Testament situations where people had gone off on their own tangents. And, and uh, he, he shows us that God has judged in the past, and He is judge of the future as well. God will judge ungodly sinners, He says. And I thought it was interesting. In verse 16, He 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 comes apart. He says, uh, the, "Those who are speaking against God." In verse 16, these are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They're loud mouth boasters. And, uh, and they're showing favoritism to gain advantage. In other words, to be able to, you know, the idea was we know the truth and, we, and we're going to, you know, if you really want to know the real truth, you have to come to us to get it. They want to gain advantage and control. can't help but think that sounds like today I don't mean to be you know harsh but there there are churches today I was in fact I I was interested enough the as I looked at this that I I went to uh, on online to look up uh, seminaries that had started out preaching the gospel and are no longer doing that they are preaching another gospel. They are preaching a liberal Christ. Uh, some of them are teaching that Christ has not come in the flesh. Only his teachings were resurrected. This type of thing. And these are seminaries producing people that are going out and, and pastoring churches. Okay, And so there's, there are those people who want to hear it this way. Paul says they want their ears tickled. And so this is a problem for today. But, you know, I'm really not interested in dealing with this problem this morning. What I want to look at is, is the beginning and the end 
of the letter of Jude. Because as we approach Christmas, I think we should be looking at the awesomeness of who Christ is and the peace that he has brought us. So look at the, the, the beginning. It says, again, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God, the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, but he says, and then brother of James. Most scholars and, and uh, biblical historians believe that this is the same James that wrote the, the letter James. Okay, What do we know about that James? That he was the brother of Jesus. That would mean that Jude was a brother of Jesus as well. Do you know how difficult this is for some people right there? Is to deal with the idea that Jesus had physical, actual brothers. But if you were to go to Mark chapter 6, that, they're identified. Jesus is starting to preach and says, isn't this the, isn't this the one we know, the, the, the son of, of Joseph and Mary? And we know his, his brothers and it names them. And he says, and, and his sisters. So he names four brothers. He had at least four brothers and his sisters is plural. So he had at least six siblings. Okay, and, and so we need to understand that, that and, and later on, as Jesus is in his ministry, his brothers are saying, you know, they mock him. And so he has brothers and sisters. This, this, this picture of, of Mary being a perpetual virgin is destroyed by this, these scriptures and the understanding of these scriptures. Mary was a woman like any other woman. She's not to be worshipped. She's not to be lifted up and, uh, and, and prayed to. You know? and, and so I just wanted to, to point that out. He had brothers and sisters. They came through Mary and Joseph. Some people say, oh, no, well, those, those were his, uh, Joseph's children before. No, that's not the way Scripture puts it. And, and so this is children of Joseph and Mary after Jesus. Jesus, by the way, is the firstborn son as a result in the reference of the lineage of, Je- of, of Joseph who goes back to David, which means that Jesus as the firstborn son has the right to the throne of David. It goes to the firstborn. And you'll see him labeled as the only begotten or the firstborn. That's the reason for those is that they are titles. They don't mean that he was physically born, you know, he was, but, but like, like, you know, that he was a, a, a regular born baby, that there was no miraculous things done, but that he was first born, he's first in line through, and, and, and that has to be, means that Joseph and, and Mary had to have these children afterwards. Those are just side notes to what I wanted to talk about this morning. The, the rea- reality is, is that this, this love and mercy and peace that, he, that Jude wants us to have. And, and, and he wants us to, to, to persevere after it, to, to, to go after it. Look at verse 17 of Jude. You must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. 
What does devoid of the Spirit mean? Unsaved. Make sure you understand that. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. How do we do that? By meeting together in fellowship and encouraging one another, building up one another, singing together, opening God's Word together, in Bible study, both by yourself and with groups of people. We are encouraged to do this. And it says, uh, you know, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And it's interesting here, I just I, I caught note of this. It was uh, initially he said to have uh, mercy love and peace when he opened the letter and here he talks about he says basically to have love and mercy and eternal life which is the same as peace he just reversed them at the end and uh, he says save others by snatching them out of the fire this is we're doing this is part of what we are called to do uh, to others show mercy with fear hating even the garments stained by the flesh. In other words, the actions and things that they do. In other words, we're to approach everybody we can, but some of them you, you, you approach with fear. It doesn't mean shaking fear, but it means with concern. Don't let what they're, they're, you know, they may be preaching or teaching a doctrine that's not of God. doesn't mean that you don't talk to them. It just means that approach them with caution. Okay? And then this, this picture, the doxology, a doxology, by the way, is simply a hymn that is praise to God that was put in print in, in, or, and, or recited over and over and over again. And it's believed that this may have been one of them okay, uh, that they used in the church. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory... With great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. In other words, past, present, and future. I look at this and, and, and I, I see this wonderful hymn that tells us, you know, that God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. What a prayer. Like I said, in Jude's introduction, he, he talks about the idea of, of mercy and peace and love. I want to focus on peace this morning. What is this peace? I've already alluded to it, but in order to fully understand it, we have to go back in time, actually into the Old Testament. Somebody made a, used the word shalom with me this morning as a greeting. That was the Old Testament Hebrew people saying peace. And when they said peace in that way, what they were basically saying was a number of different things. And by the way, it, it carried on into the church. And when it says, peace be with you in the church, it's the same picture. It's a Greek word they use, but it's the same definition, basically. And I'm just simply going to read it to you rather than, and, than speak it in a, like I thought it up or something. <laughs> a state of national tranquility, meaning you're not at war. 
uh, exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Then there's also to be peace between individuals. Okay? Harmony between each other. Getting along with each other. There's also the sense of security, safety, prosperity. Uh, peace and harmony may uh, make and keep things safe and prosperous. There's the Messiah's peace. The way that leads to peace, salvation, eternal life. There's the peace of, of, of the individual. Some, uh, the definition here uses the idea of tranquil soul. Serenity would be an easier word for me to, to, to understand. That, that I have a peace, I can rest, I can go to sleep at night, I have peace. And then the, 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 the last part of their definition here from this one is the blessed state of devout and upright men after death. We are at peace with God, we're in his presence. So when, when somebody said shalom, somebody would say, well, they were just, that's just a greeting. It was a greeting. It meant peace be with you, and they would say, be with you, peace, you know, basically. And, and the idea was, uh, it was a greeting, but the, the, what they were wishing on them, if you will, that what they were saying, and maybe wish is even a bad word, they were offering a blessing with that word. May prosperity be yours. May God's blessings be yours. Uh, may there be favor with God in your life. It was, it was more than just be at peace with your family or be at peace with your neighbor or be at peace with not, war, at, not at war. It was this whole picture. And this is something that's so hard for us to grasp at times because we are so accustomed to putting everything in this neat little compartment. And, and so we want a word to have a very narrow definition. But when you say in, in this way, shalom, be a peace, or even in the New Testament, peace to you, it's all of this as a blessing being asked. It's a prayer. By the way, we're even to desire this peace for our enemies. In the Old Testament, we were resting in the promise of the coming Messiah, the one who would bring this peace. And so we had peace by keeping the law, if you will, and, 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 and serving God until the Messiah would come and fulfill all of the law. And, the, and, and what was the law there to do? To show us that we what? Needed a Savior. Paul talks about that in the book of Galatians. And when Christ comes, He is the Savior. He keeps the law. And on His behalf, He perfectly keeps it. Through Him, we have now the permanent peace with God. When we accept Him, we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ and that God raised Him. You know, Jesus had words to say in reference to peace. I'm only going to look at a couple of them uh, from the Gospel of John. In John chapter 14, uh, with uh, verse 27, 
It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do, do I give to you, you know, but he, this is peace that comes from God. By the way, that was telling us the world can't give this to you. I, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. In fact, after his resurrection, in John chapter 20, says, on the evening of the day that the disciples were together, it says, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he said it, he meant the fullness of this thing. God's, all of God's blessing be on you. Peace be with you. He said it again. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Uh, and it's just this, this idea of, of being in Christ and resting in Him is to have this sense of peace. And, and this peace is to be not only with God. It, when we say peace in the sense of being at peace with God, we're saying we're reconciled to God. Jesus has paid the price. The, there, there needed to be a price paid. It's been paid in full, and it's done. But it says we're also to be at peace with people. Paul makes it very clear, and as much as it's up to you, be at peace. It says this in Romans chapter 12. Be at peace with one another. In the church and out of the church. We are expected to be people who bring peace to the situation. We are to be peacemakers as much as possible. In the family, outside of the family, in the community, we need to be known as people who are at peace. Some groups, as if you read through history of Christianity, some groups carry that into extremes. But the idea is that this idea of being at peace is... To have an attitude, a heart of Christ. Be at peace with yourself is also in this. I already mentioned that. Peace of mind. I use the word serenity. By the way, you can't be at peace with self. As I said, you can't be at peace with self or peace with other people unless you are at peace with God. That's a requirement. Again, in Isaiah 9-6, I already read that. John chapter, it brings me to John chapter 1. The Word was, in the, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And then it says in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. By the way, Isaiah 9-6 is a verse of hope. <laughs> John chapter 1, coming into the world, is... Reflection of God's love. We see it more clearly in John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And then here in Luke chapter 2, we see the joy and the great, the gospel, the good news, great joy. Why are we joyous over this? Because we can be at peace 
with God. Reconciled with God. And so the question has to come down to it. Do you have peace? Do you have peace with God? And I thought the easiest way for me to answer this question in the sense of what that would look like is go to the letter to the Ephesians written by Paul. First chapter, starting with the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every speech, spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is being at peace with God. This is what it means. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Before the foundation of the world, He chose His elect and He says, you know, to be at peace with Him. And He knew what that meant. He knew what He was going to have to do before the foundation of the world. He knew what the cost of that peace was going to be. That, we'd be home, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved, in Jesus. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. Again, this picture lavished means to he has given us more than enough. More than we need to be at peace with him. He's blessed us beyond anything we can think of. He's lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Referring to His second coming. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. So tied to this word peace is that we are joint heirs with Jesus. We have an inheritance. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory, until it is complete. We, this is our peace. What a beautiful, powerful picture. It's so amazing. Peace with God. We celebrate the peace with God every time we take communion. Every time we share the fruit of the vine and every time we share the bread. You know, the bread 
you know, so often we, we, we limit its picture to Jesus on the cross, his flesh on the cross. When he became flesh, the sacrifice began. He emptied himself and became flesh and dwelt among us. According to Philippians chapter 2, emptied himself. The sacrifice began. And so his whole life, he went through the flesh in perfect obedience to God because he was perfect man and God in the flesh both. And so when we celebrate communion, we, we take the bread that represents the body of Christ and the blood that was shed at the cross. And then we celebrate his resurrection because we are told that we are to do this until he comes again at which point he will share with us again. He says, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to drink of this cup again until I share it with you when he comes again. And so we celebrate his second coming with this as well. I looked at this and I thought, wow, this is that picture where we can say what Paul says out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Death has lost its sting. We are at peace with God. Death has lost its sting. Now, I'm cautious when I say that. People say, well, you're saying you're not afraid to die? The very fact that I've had two heart surgeries would tell you that I want to live. Okay? I mean, that's an obvious thing if you think about it that way. I'm not anxious to physically die. But I'm not afraid of the aftermath. I'm not afraid of what comes after death. Because if without Christ, there's a sting to death. There's a fear. There's, I don't know what is coming. And unfortunately, what is coming if you don't know Christ needs to be feared. But in Christ... With His peace, we can rest with absolute confidence. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in this flesh, no matter what happens to this flesh, I have peace with God. Death has lost its sting. I'd ask the worship team to come sing the communion song. And then uh, uh, we will... Share communion together.
this morning as we share with communion. <laughs> we have the individual communions up here. Communion that uh, there's a two cups together. One is a uh, with the bread. The other is with the the, the juice. Or we have a packet. We still have some of those if you would prefer to do it that way. So that's what we have up here. And I would just like to, to share in time of reflection and quiet as we uh, think in terms of the peace of God and all that he has done for us as we come and get communion. Feel free to come up here, pick up communion, pick it up for more than one if you are, uh, can, and that will make it a little easier for everybody. Paul writes in the letter to the Corinthians. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us share the bread. Paul goes on, he says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. part of our closing prayer this morning, I would like to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must be put on immortality. 
When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the word of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time of communion to share together, to remind us of what you have done, but also to remind us who we are in you and to see the end picture that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians. The perishable, what we are now in the flesh, puts on the imperishable. I like what he writes in in 2 Corinthians in, in chapter 5. What is mortal is swallowed up by life. We look to that day. We rest with confidence. We rest in peace in that sense. We know what you have promised us. We know what you have given us. We know what you have done to get it for us. And so we worship you. We thank you. And we celebrate Christmas with a heart of great thanksgiving and looking forward to the time when we are with you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here this morning, Lord. Bless, we have this uh, cookie, sweet, Christmas sweet swap. And uh, that's in the back here, and uh, we'll be sharing in that. So, Lord bless, thank you for being here this morning. I'm going to step in right before the bell choir uh, uh, joins us and finishes up the service. But I, I wanted to uh, reflect a moment on uh, being part of a church family. One of the benefits of that is that we have uh, men and women who have been long in the faith, that it can be examples to us and show us how uh, it looks to live a Christian walk which we all know and have experienced, it's tough. But we do have some of those men and women who have uh, gone on ahead of us and is a great example to us. But we also have, in a church family like this, couples who uh, example for us uh, marriage and example uh, commitment to each other. And uh, Bob and Kathy is one of those, and uh, we are blessed to... Uh, celebrate with them today briefly their anniversary. This is their first 51st anniversary. Happy anniversary to both of you. God bless you. And thank you for your witness and your example to us. And uh, we have some cake in the back that's also part of the sweet swap. So we are trying to bribe you into sticking around a little longer. Stay and celebrate and, and take a minute to uh, encourage our pastor and his wife and thank them for their service here and their ministry here and their commitment to each other in their marriage. And uh, look to the men and women who uh, are around us, especially those who seem to be um, 
doing well as far as we can tell in, in our uh, our uh, finite eyes, I guess. But uh, pray for them, pray for their marriages, and and love them uh, for today especially. Wish them uh, happy anniversary. Thank you. So that means even if you didn't bring something to swap, you can still go and indulge in cake. So that's, that's great. <laughs> Uh, you're dismissed. Uh, parents, don't forget to go rescue the teachers. And uh, Lord bless. Thank you for being here this morning. Come share some cake. <laughs>